Walk, believe, or walk, Daniel. Walk, believe, or walk, Daniel. Walk, tell you, walk, Daniel. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Finneran's Wake. The following is my response to President Biden's recent speech on the soul of America. I hope you appreciate my perspective. If you do, please subscribe or follow this channel and share this episode with some friends. With malice toward none, with charity for all. I suspect if you're a patriotic son or daughter of America, or a general lover of liberty, or an inquisitive student of history, these are words with which you are probably familiar. Words for which, more than that, you are likely to have a warm and abiding affection, a deep and visceral love. However, I could be wrong, so I ask you, is that the case? Do you recognize this line? It once had great purchase and resonance in this country, as it adorned the sentiments of both common citizen and distinguished statesmen alike. But, sadly, it's less often heard today. For that reason, I ask, do you know by whom it was originally uttered? <laughs> yes, that's right. By Abraham Lincoln, the 16th and perhaps most consequential president of the United States of America. These words, with malice toward none, with charity for all, are the immortal words with which the peroration of his second inaugural address of March 1865 begin, and of which, under the dark and un- happy circumstances of our present age, I was reminded, after listening to President Biden's speech on the 1st of September 2022. Lincoln's second inaugural address was a perfect, poignant combination of brevity and beauty, substance and eloquence, empathy and strength, tenderness and resolve. Not exceeding 700 words and about seven minutes, the speech is one of the best loved and most impactful in a long history of fine presidential oratory. As an aside, this genre, presidential oratory, is one with which, until the total collapse of eloquence in the present age, we've long delighted in filling our ears and heads if we still wish to be moved by its music, to be elevated by its grandeur, we must visit the writings of yesteryear and close our ears to those of today. In his grand, elevated, musical speech, Lincoln neither gloats over the impending victory of the Union Army, over which he was the commander-in-chief, nor indulges in ungracious and unbecoming self-flattery and congratulation. He is regretful, pensive, wearied, and sad. Stirred by these powerful emotions, 
he delivered what was rather a solemn than a celebratory speech, one subdued in tone and rueful in spirit. There was, of course, much to regret. The country was split in two. The opposing sides, the Union and the Confederacy, seemed to be, even after four long years of civil strife, irreconcilable. A bloody, relentless, fratricidal war to which six to seven hundred thousand American citizens valiantly sacrificed their lives would officially end with Robert E. Lee's surrender to Ulysses S. Grant at Appomattox Courthouse on the 9th of April, 1865, but that was no guarantee of a return to peace, of a restoration of the delicate harmony, the careful balance and robust goodwill on which the country was founded. Just five days later, on the 14th of April, 1865, Lincoln would be shot in the back of the head while taking in a performance of My American Cousin at Ford's Theater. His infamous assassin, the dread John Wilkes Booth, shouted, Sick, Semper, Tyrannus, after committing the unspeakable act and, in his bungled attempt to escape, leaping from the ensanguined Booth onto the stage below. With all dispatch, Lincoln was removed from his presidential box and conveyed to the home of a local tailor. There, he was laid on a small, incommodious bed. Most mattresses at the time were unequipped to accommodate such fantastic height. Surgeons gathered and were able to stanch the bleeding, remove multiple blood clots, and control the pallid statesman's labored breathing but the wound proved fatal. Lincoln died the next morning, the Ides of April, the day of my birth. Thus, his second inaugural address would also be his last. Doubtless, the country was in a far worse place then than it is today, and yet... Lincoln exerted himself, almost to his last breath, to cleanse, to close, and to heal our deep, separating wounds. He did not declare his political opponents enemies of the state, threats to democracy, hostile to the Constitution, disdainful of the rule of law, subversive to liberty, a clear and present danger, retrogressive, averse to legally established rights, expositors of an extreme ideology dedicated to the corruption of future elections, acolytes of a spray-tanned autocrat, and destructive to the American soul. He did no such thing although he certainly would have been justified in describing the southern secessionists in those villainous terms. He sought, rather, reconciliation. He sought a higher, nobler path. President Biden, 
who occupies the same office on which Lincoln forever left his mark, appears to be seeking something very different. Of reconciliation, he appears to be less than desirous. He declared, in no uncertain terms, almost half the nation to be professed enemies of the state. He accused MAGA Republicans, for whom ordinary, run-of-the-mill Republicans might just as easily be substituted, of every conceivable offense. He accused them of gross infractions and unpardonable crimes, crimes against our republic, mind you, for which capital punishment might not unreasonably be pursued. Which leads this humble, half-educated podcaster and YouTuber to wonder, what exactly does President Biden intend for us to do? What does he want from the ostensibly good, decent, and moral half of the population? Implicit in his list of charges against Republicans is the need for a proportionate response. Can it be read and understood in any other way? Faced with an existential threat to our Republic, an imminent assault on our cherished homeland and our sacred way of life, what should our response be? In what way should it manifest? Are we to take up arms? If indeed our sacrosanct democracy is so dangerously imperiled, could we be justified in doing anything less? What would be our excuse? In that case, to arms it is. Let us unsheath our idle swords. Let us sharpen their flaxed blades. Let us shake from the hilt the dots of rust that gathered. Let us raise bronze shields engraved with lurid scenes of fraternal carnage and endless slaughter. And let us evoke the aid of Mars, the fearsome god of war, as we fight to the bitter end in our constitution's defense. Our muskets, are we to load them? Our bayonets to fix them firmly and securely to eager, muzzle-smoking ends? Are we to lift and aim them at our fellow countrymen, our neighbors, our friends? Those incurable louts and rubes upon whom the scarlet letters M-A-G-A are so menacingly stamped. Is it time to neutralize, to detain, to purge the populace of its incorrigible 71 million Trump supporters? Well, is it? What, in Biden's terms, differentiates them from terrorists? Their putative aims seem to me indistinguishable. To deny liberty its chance to breathe, to cripple democracy, to subvert the will of the people, to preempt and corrupt free elections, to destroy the Constitution, to plant an extreme ideology of violence, acrimony, and hate. How should we respond to such terroristic misbehavior? Rush to the polls and vote the right way this November?
surely that alone isn't enough. In an act of supreme unwisdom, demagoguery, and vileness, President Biden inverted Abraham Lincoln's immortal words. With charity for none of my political opponents, with malice toward all with whom I disagree. That was the message of his speech delivered in front of the blood-stained facade of Independence Hall. That great edifice of liberty in which, between 1775 and 1781, the Second Continental Congress convened, and, during the summer of 1787, the Constitution was written. It was a complete reversal of Lincoln. For that reason, the speech will be remembered for all time, and for all time will it be deplored. We heard what President Biden had to say. It was of little benefit to the moment. My suggestion is this. Let us return to Lincoln's advice, offered some 157 years ago. I'll now read to you the peroration, the closing remarks in full, of Lincoln's second inaugural address. May we learn from its gentleness, humility, piety, moderation, and reason, and apply its enduring lessons today. With malice toward none, with charity for all, with firmness in the right as God gives us to see the right, let us strive on to finish the work we are in, to bind up the nation's wounds, to care for him who shall have borne the battle, and for his widow and his orphan, to do all which may achieve and cherish a just and lasting peace among ourselves and with all nations. With malice toward none, with charity for all, to bind up a nation's wounds, a just and lasting peace. It is in our power to achieve these honorable ends, if only we choose to. Thank you for listening to this episode. Comment below if you have the ability. Whose rhetoric should we follow? Lincoln's or Biden's? Subscribe, give a thumbs up, leave a five-star rating, and share this episode with friends. Farewell from Finneran's Wake. Rock, believe a rock, then you 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 rock, believe a rock, then you